chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I mean this whenever I say this. I am sorry that you all have had to listen to me so much the last two weeks. My voice, I'm getting sick of hearing myself, so I can only imagine what some of you must be thinking. Uh, I am looking forward to Brother Randy and Michelle getting back, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, just to give a break in the the sound around here. But anyways, we're going to move on today, and I trust that this will be a help to us if we will allow it to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, we are glad to be in your house today. Lord, Lord, I pray that you would uh, use this time that we have together to speak to our hearts, to help us, God, to uh, be reminded of something we probably know. We just lose sight of the fact sometime uh, that this is true and it is needed in our lives. So I pray that you'd bless. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to begin this morning by saying this, that I know that today is Father's Day. I am extremely thankful for the privilege that I've had to be a father now for almost 21 years to Nathan and then to Hannah and to Leah. And over the years, I have taken this Sunday to preach a special sermon to fathers and uh, just I try to be sensitive to what I'm supposed to do each year. And this year, because we uh, just started the study in James, we're not going to deviate from that. I would just say this, and I know that you know this, but I would just say this by way of fathers on this special day, that what our country, what our culture needs more than anything is for men to step up and be men of God, men who are faithful and obedient to the things of God. And if our culture could see men step up and live in obedience to God's word, that would so radically change the dynamics of our nation. And so uh, this morning, the, the message has nothing to do with fathers per se, but I just want to throw that out there to you by way of a challenge for myself and for every dad out here. What our country needs so bad is for some boys and for some girls to see a dad who loves the Lord, who is going to let the Word of God dictate how they will live and, and just be that kind of an example to them no matter what. So, I, I, you know, that's kind of message number one, very short, much shorter than message number two, okay? All right. This morning I'm going to begin by telling you just a quick little story, something that happened a couple of weeks ago at our house. Some of you know that Susie has a younger brother that lives in Oklahoma City. He's married. They have four daughters. And because of their schedule and because of our schedule, we don't see each other just a whole lot throughout the year. It's normally the holidays that we get together and maybe a special function from time to time throughout the year. But of these four girls, it has taken them a while to warm up to me. I can't understand that. As wonderful of a young man as I am, I don't know why it's taken them some time, but it has taken them some time to warm up to me. Now, the youngest, she's still just a couple of months old, so I understand that for her. But uh, the other three, it's taken them some time to warm up to us. But uh, over the years, God has allowed it to be that they have warmed up to me and I have warmed up to them, and I now enjoy a pretty good relationship with those three nieces. Uh, we've you know, spent time wrestling over the years and just having a good time like that. Uh, we've gone to the lake together, spent time in, in that fashion. And so uh, it's a good relationship overall. And I say that, I want you to understand that because of the story I'm about to tell you. I don't want you to psychoanalyze this and then tell me, well, this is why that happened. Okay? You don't know why it happened, and I don't know why it happened, so we're just going to hear the story and say, huh, that's weird. But anyways, a couple of weeks ago, they were at our house, 
And while they were at our house, something Susie and I had talked about prior to them arriving was the fact that they are going next month on a vacation together as a family. And something Susie and I wanted to do was we wanted to put some spending money into the hands of their three oldest children, the ones who understand what money is and what it can do for you. And, and I'm not going to tell you the amount this morning because it's not important, but understand this. It wasn't just like a couple of bucks we were going to give them. This was something that if you offered it to me today after church, I would take it and I would say thank you very much, okay? I, I just want you to know that, that we're, we're talking about, a, you know, especially for children, a significant amount of money. Again, don't psychoanalyze this thing. So they're at our house that Friday night, and we're visiting, and, and their second oldest daughter is sitting in my lap, okay? So I've got a good relationship with the girls, sitting in my lap, and I'm talking to them about this vacation that they've got coming up. Where are you going? I knew where they were going, but I was just making conversation. And I said, listen, me and Aunt Susie, we just wanted to give you a little bit of spending money, so I pulled out the bill that was for her, and whenever I pulled out the bill that was for her, her eyes kind of lit up, and she said, thanks. I said, well, you're welcome. Now, their oldest daughter was sitting on the floor across the way by her mom, and so I called her by name, and I said, hey, if you'll come here, I'll give you yours, and you can have the same amount as your sister. And so immediately she saw what it was, and she was interested. She jumped up, came to me, took the bill, said thank you, and she was more than happy to go sit down with her spending money. So now it's child number three who is sitting in her dad's lap. Now keep in mind, I have played with this kid, I have wrestled with this kid, we have had a wonderful time together over the years. So I called her by name and I said, hey, come here and I'll give you yours. Me and Aunt Susie wanna give you this. She looked at me and she shook her head no. I thought, okay, kid, maybe you didn't understand me. I have one of these for you, just like I had for your two sisters. So I said, no, come here. And again, I called her by name. I said, I just want to give you this. And she just looked at me, and she shook her head and said, no. Okay. Her dad, who was holding her, said, come on, just go over there. Just take it. And just Uncle Kyle wants to give you something. No. Her mom was like, come on, don't, don't you want that? Don't you want to be able to buy gifts when we go on vacation? She just looked at her and, no. Her sisters were saying, come on, calling her by name, saying, come on, all you got to do is, she, one of them even said this, look, Uncle Kyle's nice. I, she knows I'm nice. I, I, I've only beat her up a couple of times. She knows I'm nice. But the, the sister said, come on, Uncle Kyle's nice. He just wants to give you some money. And the daughter sat there and said, No. No matter what I said, no matter what her parents said, no matter what her sister said, here's what she determined. No, I'm not doing it. I wanted to do something nice for her. I wanted to do something kind for her. We wanted to do that for her. And she said, no. Now, what was going through her mind? What was going through her thought process? I have no idea. But the next day when Susie's brother and his family left, we, he and I had this quick conversation. I said, well, I said, she'll regret this next month on vacation. Whenever her sisters are getting to buy junk and she doesn't have the money to do it. And he laughed and he said, yeah, I know, but it's her loss, not mine. 
Now, you may say, you, you didn't give her the money? No. She's a little girl. I don't care. All she had to do was walk up to me, hold her hand out, and I would have been more than happy to give her the money. But because she wasn't willing, I didn't do it. So there's this principle that I want us to think about. There's this thought that I want us to give attention to, and, and then we'll make our way into the Scripture. I was trying to do something nice for her. It's all I was trying to do is I was trying to help her out a little bit. Susie and I were. And she would not do what was required, as simple as it was, to be able to enjoy what was being offered, to receive it. And so she has and will miss out on what was available to her. Now, why tell you that story? Well, as we started the study of James last week, I want to remind us of just a couple of things, and then we'll tie all this together in the next few moments. But you'll remember that this letter was written by James, the half-brother of Christ, and he was writing this letter to fellow believers, fellow Jews who had been scattered throughout all different parts of the land. And something that he opened up with is this, is that God wants to grow the faith of believers. God wants to grow the, the spiritual lives of all believers. It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter who the family is. God wants to grow the person, and God wants to grow the family. But James makes very clear that the only way in which a person's faith will really grow and the only way in which the spiritual process will really take place in the way that it needs to is for there to be testings of a person's faith. Because until a person's faith is tested, you don't really know what a person believes. And you don't really know how a person is going to behave under the pressure. And so Paul says, or not Paul, but James says that in order for this process to take place, in order for a person to grow in the manner in which they ought, they must have their faith tested and in the midst of that, that needs to be a source of joy, and that needs to be a source of gladness, and that can be difficult to do sometimes, can it not? When the faith is tested, when the faith is tried, it can be a difficult thing to endure. Now, one more thing about those testings, one more thing about those trials, and then we'll move on. As said last week that whenever a person is tested, whether it be myself, whether it be you or anyone else, here is what we know the testings of a person's life are going to come in many different areas of life, and they are also going to vary in their degree of difficulties. So what I deal with may not be what you deal with. What you deal with may not be what somebody else deals with. We're all having our faith tested in different ways so that we might grow in the way that we're supposed to. The degree of difficulty is going to vary. Sometimes it will be intense. Sometimes it will seem minor compared to other testings. But nonetheless, that is the way the Christian life works over and over and over again. Our faith will be tested. It must be to make us complete and to make us perfect in our walk with God. So that in mind this morning, I want us to think about this truth. I want us to think about this reality that when the testings of life come, more times than not, they come with no warning. Would you agree with this? That more times than not, the, the test that God brings into our lives, he usually does so without warning. 
It's not as though we get some memo. It's not as though we get some sign from God. We don't get some revelation and receive some special word from the Lord. Get ready when you wake up in the morning. There's going to be a test that awaits you. And, and be ready whenever you go to work tomorrow. There's going to be something that faces you. And, and tomorrow evening, your family better get ready because your family is about to experience something that you've never experienced before. No, whenever the tests come, more times than not, they tend to blindside us completely, don't they? We weren't ready for it. We weren't expecting it. We never envisioned that that would be what we're dealing with. And, and so I know that you know this, but I want us to think about this. The testing can come in the form of health issues. It can come in the form of financial issues. It can come in the form or the, the shape of relationship issues. Just so many different ways in which we can be tested. And again, those testings come without warning. Whenever the testings come, I don't know if this would be true of every one of every situation, but here's what I have found to be true of myself on different occasions, and that would be this, that whenever testings arise, whenever they show up in my life, it reveals so many times just how weak and incapable I truly am. You know what I mean? If you're like me, this is what it would look like. You're kind of cruising through life and you feel like everything's together and you may feel like you're on top of the world and you know what's going on and you know how to handle life. And then all of a sudden you get some kind of news that you weren't expecting and you realize just how incapable and weak and insufficient you are in and of yourself. Has it ever happened to you? So you're going through life, everything's going good, everything's going well, then something comes along, it tests you, it tries you, it, it is something that serves as a challenge to you, and you realize, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on. I feel lost and I don't know what to do. So notice what James says in light of those testings in verse number 5. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let a mask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I want us to spend just a couple of moments this morning in the first part of the verse. He said, if any of you lack wisdom. What does it mean to lack wisdom? It just means this, to lack discernment for the situation that you now find yourself in. To lack the understanding that you need to, to not know the best course of action to take or the best route in life to take. I think every one of us would admit this morning that there have been certain times in our lives that because of what showed up on our doorstep, so to speak, without any notice, without any warning, we are now looking at a situation where we have no idea what to do. We've been there, haven't we? Whenever this particular situation comes up, we're sitting there, we're just looking at it, we're just staring at it, and we're saying to ourselves something like this, I don't even know what to do right now. I don't know what to say, I don't know how to respond, I don't know what my next step ought to be. There have been so many occasions in my life, whether it be from a family setting, whether it be from a church setting, whether it be from a personal setting, there have been so many times in my life where it was like the Lord reminded me that I personally have no idea what to do next. 
And James lets us know that we're not the first generation of people to be dealing with this, to be dealing with this lack of understanding, to be dealing with this lack of wisdom. But what he said was, is if any of you lack wisdom, here's what you need to do. Let him ask of God. If you don't know what to do in a situation, here is what you ought to do. Ask God for wisdom. If you don't know the next step to take, if you don't know what course of action you need to take, if this situation is in front of you and you are reminded just how helpless and incompetent you are and how insufficient you are in and of yourself, if you find yourself in that position and you don't know what to do, James says this is a perfect time for you to cry out to God and say, God, I need wisdom. God, I need your discernment. God, I need your understanding. God, I need your direction. God, I need to know what to do so that I don't foul this up. God, I need to know what to do so that I don't make a mess of this. God, I need your help. James says, in the midst of your uncertainty, in the midst of your lack of discretion and lack of discernment to know what to do next, this is when you cry out to God. Because he says in the last part of the verse, and it shall be given him. What is James reminding the readers of? And what are we reminded of this morning as it relates to wisdom and the need of it in the times of of our faith being tested? He is saying this, listen, when you don't know what to do, you cry out to God and you cry out to God because he always knows what to do. He always knows how to handle the situation and he will give you the wisdom that you need in the midst of this situation. So if you're looking at a health situation and you don't know the best route to take, this is when you cry out to God and say, God, I need direction. And you know what God will do? He'll give you the direction that you need. If you find yourself in the midst of a relationship issue and you don't know what to do, you cry out to God and you say, God, I need some help in this. God, I need some direction in this. And God will give you the wisdom that you need. God, I'm in a situation now with with this at work, whatever it is. And God, I don't know what to do. James says, ask God because he'll give you the wisdom because God always knows exactly what to do. I know we know this, but sometimes I need the reminder of it. And I think sometimes you, if you would be honest, you would say, I need the reminder. But I need to be reminded sometimes that God has never been caught off guard with any of my circumstances. And as a result, God always knows what to do for the best outcome of the situation he's allowed me to find myself in. And here's the thing. God does not delight in seeing me ignorant of my next step. And he doesn't delight in seeing you being ignorant of what your next step needs to be. God's not up in heaven saying, ha ha, I finally got him in a place where he doesn't know what to do. He's not standing there in heaven saying, fantastic, I finally stumped him and, and, and he's ignorant and, and I'm just going to watch him suffer for a while. No, that, that's not how God works with his children at all. Here is what James said. He said, if you find yourself in the midst of testing, if you find yourself in the midst of your faith being tried and you don't know what to do, cry out to God because God gives wisdom. He gives the discretion. He gives the discernment. He gives the understanding that you need. And I love what he also said in verse number 5, though we skipped over it. He said this, He giveth to all men liberally. 
What does it mean to give something liberally? It means to give something open and with an abundance. You know what James is saying? He is saying this. He will give you every bit of insight you need. God's not up in heaven just saying, okay, I'm just going to barely give you enough. I'm just barely going to give you a little bit of wisdom, and and I'm still going to keep you on your toes, and I'm still going to keep you guessing. No, whenever we need wisdom, you know what James said? James said God gives it liberally. He gives it openly. He gives it abundantly and upbraideth not. What does it mean to upbraid? It just means this, to scorn or to rebuke. Or the idea might be something like this, to do so with a critical spirit. You understand the picture that James is trying to convey here? God will not scold you, rebuke you, or scorn you because you are admitting you need his wisdom in this situation. If something comes up in my life or if something comes up in your life and you realize, okay, I don't have the answers and I don't know what to do and I don't know what the next step should be, this is a perfect opportunity for me to cry out to God because God knows what I need to do and He'll give it to me. God is not up in heaven saying, what's your problem? How could you not know what to do? No, whenever we are willing to come to God, James says He gives to all men... He gives to all men liberally, abundantly, and he never rebukes us or scorns us or is critical of us because we're admitting our need of wisdom. Understand this? So here we are, and what are we? We are children of God. If we are saved, like the audience that James was intending this letter to go to, if we are saved, then what are we? We are children of God. And what does James say? James says this, that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our testing, in the midst of this spiritual process where where we are forced to become more like Christ if we allow the process to take place, he says, listen, in the midst of all this, you will find yourself ignorant of what you need to do next, But God wants to do something good for you. Following this, God wants to do something good for you. What does God want to do for me? He wants to give me wisdom. He wants to help me out. He wants to give me that direction that I need. And so understand, please, there's this principle in place here that I've got a good relationship with my Heavenly Father like I've got a good relationship with my nieces. And and myself and Susie, we want to do something nice and good to our nieces. And here is heavenly the Heavenly Father in His relationship with us. And what does He want to do for us? He wants to do something good and kind and helpful to us. But James makes this clear. That just like there was something required on the part of my niece to receive her gift, there is something that's required of the believer in order to receive the gift of wisdom in the midst of a lack of understanding. What has to happen? Well, notice in verse number 6 he says this. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. What does it mean to ask something in faith? It means that you do so with a sense of confidence. With a sense of assurance 
that God is going to do what He said He is going to do. So in the context, this is very simple, this is very clear, that in the midst of your testing, in the midst of your trials, here is what God wants to do for you. God wants to give you all the wisdom and all the discernment that you need so that you make good and right decisions for whatever the situation may be. That's what God wants to do for you. But in order for that to happen, when you ask for the wisdom, you have to ask believing with confidence that he'll give you the wisdom you're asking for. Now, doesn't that seem obvious? It seems obvious that if I'm going to go to God, whom I've got a wonderful relationship with whenever I'm behaving properly, if I'm going to go to God and ask him for some wisdom in the midst of my lack of understanding or my lack of discernment, I mean, it seems to make sense that I would believe that he would give it, but yet James had obviously encountered some people who asked for wisdom but didn't really believe that God would give the wisdom, so after they asked for wisdom, they didn't really think that God would do what he said he would do. Those poor people, right? I mean, really, think about it. Those poor people who would take the time to ask God for something and then not believe that he would really do what he said he would do. Well, I'm sure glad I've never been that person, right? And you're certainly glad you've never been that person, right? I mean, because I know that this would not describe myself. I know it would not describe you. But, but uh, you know, those people out there, you know, they, they have a situation in their family, and they go to God and they pray about it, but as soon as they get up from their time of prayer, they find themselves worrying and questioning the very thing they just went to God about. Those poor, poor people. Right? Oh yeah, you took it to God, but as soon as you took it to God, as soon as you got up, you took it back from Him, and you kept thinking that you had to figure this out, that God couldn't give you the direction that you needed to resolve whatever the situation was. Have we ever been there? I'll stop talking in code. I know that was so confusing just a moment ago. I mean, we've been there, right? I mean, we've been those people who have struggled to, to go to God and in complete faith trust that He would give us everything He already said He would give us. So here I am as a pastor, and sometimes I go to God in the midst of a situation, and, and Lord, I don't know what to do, and I'm confessing my ignorance, and I'm confessing my lack of discretion, and my lack of discernment in the matter, and I, I don't want to make things worse. And God, I don't know what to do. And so, God, I'm just giving it all to you for the next couple of seconds, and then, I, then I'm going to get up, and I'm going to try to figure this out. That's ridiculous. But I've done it. Some of you, if you'd be honest this morning, you'd say, man, I've done that with my family. I've done that with my kids. I've done that with my grandkids. Some of you would say, I've done that in relation to my health. Some of you would say, I've done that in relation to, to situations at work. You and I, because of this sinful nature that sometimes causes us to, to worry and to fret and to concern ourselves with things we ought not, we go to God in prayer. We ask Him for wisdom. And then as soon as we're done asking for wisdom, we get up and we resume the same thought process and lifestyle we had before we asked for the wisdom. So notice what he said. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. 
How many of us have ever looked at the ocean? Whether on TV or in person. We've all seen the ocean, right? The seas. We, we, we've all seen the open waters. And we've seen the, the waves come in here. And we've seen the waves come in here. And the waves come in here. And, and there's no stability to any of it, right? Just wherever the wind takes it, that's where the waves go. And that's however the wind is, is, is blowing. That's how the water is tossed. Sometimes, if we're honest, we would have to admit that's what we look like in our spiritual lives. We're over here, we're over here, we're over here, we're over here. Our thought process is scattered. We've got so many things going on. So James simply says this, You have to ask in faith, for he that wavereth is not stable, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So notice what he said next in verse number 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Say what? My niece. I've got something for you. All you've got to do is receive it. Well, I'm not going to do what you said. Okay, well then you don't get what I'm offering. Well, that sounds so harsh. Deal with it. These are the rules. You want what I'm offering? This is what you've got to do. You've got to receive it. You've got to, you've got to do what I tell you to do in order to receive it. All James is saying is this, is, is listen, the same is true with God. You find yourself in a situation, you need wisdom, you don't know what to do, here's what you do. You cry out to God and you ask God for that wisdom. But when you ask God for wisdom, you better do so in faith, in trust, in confidence that he will give you what he has said he would. Because if you do not ask in faith, you cannot assume that you will receive anything of the Lord as it relates to your desire. Think about this. We've seen people do this. I've been guilty. I think most of us have been guilty of this at some point in our lives. Something comes up. It tests us. It challenges us. It rocks our world. It disturbs us, upsets us. However we want to describe it, this happens. We realize we're incapable. I, I'm insufficient in, in myself to know what needs to happen, to know what needs to be done. So we do the right thing and we go to God. But whenever we get up from that time of taking that issue to the Lord in prayer, we take on all the weight and all the burden that we tried to just unload. And if we're not careful, we then find ourselves saying something like this. Why isn't God helping why isn't God moving? Why isn't God showing us what's supposed to happen next? Why, why isn't God revealing himself? It just seems like I'm still in a, in, in a fog, so to speak, and it seems like I still don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, if you and I don't have clear direction, James seems to indicate it might be just possibly because you haven't done what is required to get the wisdom that you need. Because if you don't do it the way he said to do it, if you don't follow the rules, then you'll not receive what God wants to give you. Now, now again, I don't mean to keep talking about my niece, but there was a reason why I told this story. I don't know what was going through her mind. 
I don't know what was going through her little heart. I don't know what the thought process was. But there was something about her that she could not make herself get out of her dad's lap and come give or come receive what we were hoping to give. And I, and, and I say that to say this. I don't know what our struggle is sometimes. But I know we have the struggle at times. I know God wants to give me exactly what I need. I know God wants to give me all the insight and the direction that I need. And, and God wants to take that burden. And God wants to take that weight that I'm carrying and give me the direction that I need and not have to worry about it, trusting that God has it under control. God wants to do that. And yet I find myself with these crazy thoughts and these crazy emotions so much so that I'm basically saying, God, I want your wisdom, but I don't believe you'll give the wisdom. So then he says, well, if you don't believe I'll give it, you'll not receive it. And I have to continue in that foggy state of life. And here's what I've noticed of myself, kind of like my niece. I grow to regret that I didn't take advantage of what he wanted to give me freely. Are we hearing this? Amen. He wanted to give it to me freely. But because I was working through my own issues, whatever those issues would have been, because I struggled to really believe that he would give me the direction that he said he would, I didn't receive from him what he wanted to give me. And so throughout the days, throughout the weeks, or maybe the months, here's what is brought back to mind. You would have been so much better off if you would have just believed if you would have just trusted that I was wanting to give you the wisdom that you needed, I could have made this so much easier for you. I could have made this so much better for you. And so I'm like that child. I know that there's a gift. I know that he wants to make it available. But because I wrestle within myself to just do what I know needs to be done, then I don't receive what he wants to give me. And I only grow to regret it. That I didn't just do what needed to be done to get the wisdom he wanted to give. And this morning, I don't know how you need to make application in your life. I don't know what is happening, what is taking place in your life. I, I don't know. But I do know this, that every one of us will face situations that come up with no warning, that come up with no kind of an alert system. And, and you and I as individuals, we are going to have our our world's rattled sometimes and our world rocked sometimes and, and, and we're going to need help. We're going to need answers. And I don't know if that's where you're at right now. You may or may not be there, but I'm just saying, I, I want to remind us no matter of where we're at today in life, I want to remind us that we have a God who wants to give us everything we need in that moment. But we'll only be the recipient of it when we go to him 
and we do what he tells us to do to get the wisdom. And if we don't, we can't expect anything by way of what he would love to offer us. And so this morning, I'm just going to ask you, do you need wisdom about a situation right now? Any situation that may come to mind, I couldn't begin to list everything that may be a possibility, but do you need wisdom right now? Well, Brother Kyle, I do. I'm in a situation I could use some wisdom right now. Would you pray for me? Well, I'll pray for you. But you know the only thing that you have to do is go to God and say, God, I need wisdom. Get up and let him keep it and you not take it back. God will give the wisdom. God will give the direction. And you'll be glad you did. If you don't, like myself, you'll grow to regret that you didn't trust that he had your best interest in mind and you will grow to regret that you didn't let him lead you and guide you and will continue to be in that foggy state of living that's really very unenjoyable to be in. Do you need wisdom? Ask in faith and James promised he'll give it. Let's all stand tonight and bow our, or this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would use this message to be a help to your people. God, there's not one of us who has all the answers. There's not one of us who knows the right response in every situation of life. And so, Lord, because of that, I pray that you'd remind us today of our need to cry out to you for wisdom in the midst of those times. God, I pray that you'd help us to be people who believe that you will do what you said you would so that we might be the recipient of what is good for us in that moment. God, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who are willing to turn over the situations of life to you and trust you in every area. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.